Isaiah chapter 11. We'll start with verse 1. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from the roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked." Righteousness shall be his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for all the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hands yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. He will raise a signal for all the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Lord, this morning we thank you for your word. Lord, how it speaks to our heart this morning as we anticipate the soon return of the Lord. Thank you for the trueness of, of your word. How it speaks to our heart as to, as to what we have seen and what we can expect. And Lord, I pray this morning that we as the church, that we will look to you. And as we open your word this morning, may, may we see the plan, the sure plan that you have for your people if we will just follow. In your most holy name, amen. Amen. You know, guys, as we're looking here this morning, we see this, this very prophetic passage of Scripture as to what is to come. Now, uh, as you guys more than likely know, that in the Old Testament and New Testament, like, well, a lot of times we'll see that there are prophecies that are given and, and, and they have already came true. And then some prophecies are like a dual prophecy. They've already came true, but there's going to be another coming true of that prophecy. 
And really what we see in Isaiah is a lot of this. We, we see that Christ came. The, the verse that we read there that a child shall lead them. This is, this is pointing to Christ. But you know there is going to come a day when Christ is going to do his redemption in fullness. That there is going to be a fullness of his redemption. That we will see his work come to fruition. Now how many of us today are ready for a redemption in this world today? You know, this morning I'm ready to see this world redeemed. I'm ready to see that full picture of what salvation means. But it's like people in this world are blind today. They, they, they can't see the, the truth of the situation. If you're a believer today and you hear the word of God and you are blessed by it, you ought to be happy because there's a whole lot of people in this world who are blind. And as we've been talking about this, this, this very, I, I think it's a great point to kind of focus around this year, this idea that Jesus is greater than darkness. He is the light of the world. And we, we as, as believers, a lot of times, we're kind of like, why can't people just see it? Why can't they just see the truth? The only people who cannot see the light are blinds. That is why they can't see it. They are, they are physically or spiritually, if you want to put it that way, they are spiritually blind. They, they cannot see the light. You and I can see the light because God has opened our eyes. We can see that Christmas is more than just presents and celebrations in Hallmark Channel. I don't get that one. It's more than just candy. <laughs> It's more than just the, the things that we enjoy this time of year. Christmas is so much more than that. Christmas is Jesus, God in flesh, come that we might have salvation. That is what Christmas is about. And as we've lit the, the second candle in Advent this week, uh, and we're focusing on this idea of anticipation, we need to be a people who are anticipating what is to come. It's really easy nowadays just to be focused on the, all the bad, isn't it? And I, and I have, you know, there's a lot of people in this world who celebrate Christmas with gusto, but they leave Christ out of it. I, I don't understand that. They can't wait till Christmas comes. I, I see the post, you know, it's 52 days till Christmas. And yet they never darken the doors of the church. They never give honor to God. They never look to Christ as their, redeem, their Redeemer. They don't do it. They're missing the whole point. And you must say, how in the world... How in the world can they miss this? It's because they're blind. They can't see the truth of the situation. They can't see what is going on here. They don't, they don't understand that, that, that Christ is coming again to redeem mankind. So as believers, we should be living in anticipation of what is to come. Now, John... Climacus. Now this guy, a lot of y'all don't know that name probably. You never heard of him. But I've been reading a little bit of our church history. As you guys know, I'm, I'm a nerd. But John Climacus, he, he, was, he, was a, he was a monk. He was an early church father. And, and there's not a lot known about the man, but they did quote him as saying this. And I, and I thought this was a, a, very, a very good quote. I, I think John, as I've read into some of his works... He missed it on a lot of stuff. He, he's, he seemed to think that there was an ability by man to gain salvation by works. And I, I can't agree with him on that point. But what he says here, I thought this really speaks to, 
the core of what we're talking about this morning. Look at this, this quote. Detachment from visible things is to open your eyes to the invisible. How many times are we stuck in what's going on around us and we fail to see what God is doing? We must detach ourselves from this world. We're putting so much stock in the fear, put, putting so much stock in the politics of the time. Put, quit putting look, and looking to the, the things of this world for your inspiration. We must detach ourselves as believers in Jesus from the things that we can see, feel, smell, touch. Unless you have COVID and that affects some of that. But, but as, as we're here today, detach yourselves from the things of this world and focus on Jesus. If we can literally become a people who don't care what's going on in the world as far as allowing it to affect the way that we believe, we become a people that can see the invisible. We can see what God is doing. You know, as I, as I look at this world and I see all the darkness and I see all the bad stuff that's going on, As a believer in Jesus, I see that this is stuff that's coming true that the Word speaks of. The end times will be a rough time. They'll be dark. And so instead, here's the thing, instead of getting caught up in conspiracy theories, instead of, of getting caught up in the negativity of the time, get caught up in the, in the good news, and that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get caught up in that. There's truly no help for the world today unless we turn to Christ. And in Isaiah, we, we see this beautiful picture of the rise of redemption. The rise of redemption. And I, I've got a th about three points. I kind of broke it down here as to what this, this first part of Isaiah 11 talks about. This idea that redemption is rising. I wrote Rise of Redemption this week. Uh, Josh will appreciate this. I've been watching a whole lot of Star Wars stuff. And I don't know, it just kind of came out, you know? The, the Rise of Redemption. <laughs> I've been getting back into the Clone Wars, the cartoon. My, my, Jaren loves it. And I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to sit down and watch this because that's what the little boy wants to watch. The Clone Wars. The Mandalorian. How many of you guys are into that right now? It's, it's good stuff, right? <laughs> but the rise of redemption, Christ is, Christ is coming again, right? Uh, and we can glory in the fact that he came to the cross, but he's also, he's coming again. And so there's a work that Christ has done and that he is doing and that he will do. And the first point I want us to look at comes out of verse 1. The Redeemer will rise in spite of a defunct human system. It talks about that there was a, the stump of Jesse. There, there's going to come a shoot out of that. I, I've seen that in the woods before where you see like a tree and then there's a stump coming out. That tree is continuing on. And what, what it's saying there is that, that Christ, you know, in, in a way he's, he's correcting what went wrong in the line of Jesse. As good as David was, right? Jesse was David's father. So out of that stump, uh, David messed up severely. His his, his uh, family that came after him, they messed up severely. But here comes this new shoot. Out of a defunct human system, Christ is going to come and redeem that. That, that true king of kings and lord of lords. And so we look to him today. That, that idea that, that out of that stump rises the redemption that mankind needs today. I don't know about you guys, but I look around the world today and I see a, 
a need for redemption in our world. And in that verse 1, we see that picture that Christ came out of that stump in order to bring redemption, that redemptive work. The second point I want us to look at, and it, it looks at verses 2 through 5. The Redeemer will work out a pure righteousness. A pure righteousness. If you'll, if you'll look at those verses through there, when, he, when he's talking about um, this pure righteousness, it's different than the righteousness that you and I may think we have. The Spirit of God's going to rest upon him. The, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. It's different than what we may consider as being righteous. You may find yourself in a court of law. You may find yourself in an argument with someone, something like that. And you think that you are righteous in your ways. But we're all flawed, aren't we? But God's righteousness is, is, is a lot different. It's, it's pure Verse 3 talks about how this stump, this, this the root that comes out of the stump, that branch that comes out of the stump, that it's, it's, a, it's a pure righteousness, a, a redeeming work that will be pure in all of its ways. And verse 3 talks about his delight shall be in what? The fear of the Lord, the respect of the Lord. What Jesus came to do was to redeem the world because it is the good pleasure of the Father. God desires this world be healed and fixed again. And I think that's probably a, speaks to a lot of, of our hearts as believers. We want this world to be to be fixed, don't we? I, I stood up on this stage this week and and preached the funeral of, of a dear member of our community this week. And I saw the sadness in the family's faces and the friends' faces. I saw that sadness and, and you know in those moments I don't have I tell them I tell them this I say I don't have a magic pill for this but I can give you the word of God because our hope is there. Our hope is in the Redeemer Jesus Christ and it's a pure righteousness. It's not it's not righteousness like we might expect to get in this world. You know, in, in a day and age where everybody's wanting something from the government, or you're wanting something from a store, or you're wanting something, 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 the, the thing we need to understand today is that His righteousness is pure, and it's exactly what we need. It's part of God's plan. And, and Christ, when He came, it was to glorify the Father. It was, it was that idea that the, the Trinity was, was doing the work. By righteousness, He'll judge the poor. He's going to judge everyone with equity, it says. So the third point I want us to look at, this idea that, of course, he's rising up. His, his work, that redeeming work, is pure and righteous. But this third point I want us to look at this morning is the Redeemer's work will bring a permanent peace. How many of us want peace? All of us, right? I, I think for the most part, there's a few weirdos out there that don't like peace and they like drama. We've all met those kind of people. They're drama queens and kings and all that kind of stuff. But you know, even in, in our time that, that we've lived, we've seen wars come and go, haven't we? You see a war and you think, well, if we, can, if we can beat this enemy, then we'll have true peace. And there never is true peace. We can, we can try to defeat Al-Qaeda. We can try to defeat, you know, the Nazis. We can try to defeat, uh, name your enemy. But in the end, there's always something else that stirs up, right? The Redeemer's work will bring a permanent peace. There will, there will be nothing else. And I, and I love the, the passage of Scripture. It's, it's just very poetic. And some people say, man, these are kind of crazy words. You know, he talks about cows and bears eating together. It says it's going to happen. The young shall lie down together. They're young. The, the cow's young. The, the little calves and the little cubs are going to lie down together. That seems strange. 
It's not something we normally see in this world. The wolf's going to dwell with the lamb. The leopard's going to lie down with the young goat. You see what I'm saying? There's these pictures. Uh, uh, you've got the, the predator hanging out with the prey. But if you want to know the peace of God, it, it's going to override all of this brokenness that we have in this world today. When you read in Genesis, uh, you know, God didn't necessarily design all animals to be eating meat. You guys realize that, right? He, he, he designed that, that we be eating plants. That the plants are going to be there for our nourishment. But when the world was broken because of sin, it changed everything. And as sure as sin changed the entire construct of the world, church, what I want you to understand is that Jesus is going to change it again. He's going to redeem it. And so we must be looking to him, the redeemer of all mankind. The redeemer's work will bring a permanent peace. I, I think today that a lot of us, we want that permanent peace. We want to see that permanent peace. We want to experience that. You know, in the book of Revelation, it talks about how, how in heaven, that he's going to wipe away every tear. What would that be like? How many of us, we live in, in an expectation at times, it seems, to well, what's going to go wrong next? Who's going to pass away next? When's, when's going to be the next time that I'm going to cry? There will come a time where there will be no more tears. I don't even know how, to, how to, to think about that. What will that experience be like where there will be nothing in this world or nothing in our existence, nothing in our, in our thoughts, nothing in our, uh, our lives where there will be no more pain ever again? I'm not, I'm not surprised when I get a phone call and there's terrible news on the other end. That's the world I live in. But one day, the Redeemer will have a righteous work. That Redeemer will, will fix a defunct system, a defunct history. And He will bring us a permanent peace. Isn't that a good word today? You know, as we light candles, as we put up Christmas trees, as we, as we spend time together as friends and family. Church, I want you to understand that Jesus is truly bigger and greater than darkness. Lean to him. Trust in him. Trust in him. And we see this picture in the, in the, in the Old Testament. We see this. It's, it's a beautiful passage of Scripture. It's, it's encouraging today as a believer to read this and to hear this. But you know, Paul speaks of the same type of prophecy, the same type of words in 1 Thessalonians. And if you want to turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, some, some interesting background. If you're reading in context, chapter 4 talks about living in peace. And, and, and Paul uses the words, I don't want any of you to be ignorant. This is how the end times will happen. That, that Jesus will return with the shout of an archangel. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And those that, uh, of us that are left behind will rise up and meet them in the air. That's how it's all going to happen. When what we just read in Isaiah, this idea of Jesus coming again, that, that when this happens, you and I as believers, whether we're dead or alive, we're going to be flying up in the air. Praise God. We're not going to be here anymore. We're gone. That may scare some people, right? What do you mean I'm going to be gone? This is, what, this is all I've ever known. How many of you guys are happy when Friday at 5 o'clock rolls around? You can't keep people around. You know? We're ready to get out of there. And I believe for the believer, that's how it's going to be for us when Christ returns. We, we can't get off this planet fast enough. We're going to be united and reunited with our family in the year. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This, I love these words, and it really speaks to the theme here that Jesus is greater than the darkness. Look at verse 1. Now concerning the times, 
and seasons. We've got a lot of people today, they're, they're concerned with the times and the seasons. I see a lot of people saying, well, there's this conspiracy, you know. Uh, people, there's a, they're talking about vaccinations. And well, you know, don't get offended today. But, but people have conspiracy theories even about vaccinations, right? I've heard people say, well, that's the mark of the beast. Well, first, let's talk about the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is a mark in your life, whatever that means. And I think it's very different. You know, we've often thought about, you know, tattoos or we've thought about microchips and all this kind of stuff. Stop with that stuff and understand that when you take the mark of the beast, you are, in fact, saying, I don't want anything to do with God. I want to align with the Antichrist. Now, could it be a shot? Or uh, It could be. I don't know. I really hope I'm not here, honestly. My belief system says that I'm probably not going to be here because that time period is not going to be for the believer. But if I am here, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can get through that time. But concerning the times, people just want to, they want to go to conspiracy theories right off the bat. But I want you to understand, we need to be going to the Word of God. And here we have a clear message in the Word of God about how we should approach the end times. Concerning the times and the seasons. Everybody hear this. You have no need to have anything written to you. You don't need a conspiracy theory. You don't need Fox or CNN to tell you what the end times are about. We have it within us as believers in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. He says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. What do we need to know about the second coming of Jesus? It's going to come when no one's expecting it. That's the truth. I've, I've heard it over the years. Well, you know, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Somebody was saying something last week, a conspiracy theory about, and it didn't even make any sense about Israel and all this stuff that's going on over there. And I'm like, wait, okay, that doesn't make sense. It, it really, why would the devil, like, it doesn't make any sense without going into the conspiracy theory. But what I need to know is that whenever Christ returns, it's going to be like a thief in the night. I know that because the Bible tells me right here. That Paul, in his inspiration from the Lord himself, tells us that the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That tells me I just need to be ready. I need to be living in anticipation that it could happen right now. So I'm not concerned with the darkness. I'm not concerned with conspiracy theories. I'm not concerned with vaccination. I'm not concerned with politics. What I'm concerned with is am I ready to meet the Lord in the air? Because it's going to come like a thief in the night. Are you ready? Are you living in anticipation today or are you just living in fear? Could, could this be, could this be, you know, this virus, could this be the beginning of, of a, a, a control system on people in the world? It could be. But you know what? I'm not worried about that because my Lord is going to redeem it all. I'm not trusting in the government to protect me. I'm not trusting in, in the state to protect me. I'm trusting in my Savior to keep me secure. And when he comes back, it's going to be just like that. And that's my, that's my goal in life, is that I'm ready for that. And thanks be to God, because of what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary, I can be ready. I don't sit and worry about it. I know I'm bought with a price. Far more than any work I could do in this world. What, what you know, I was talking about earlier, that, that early church father, he missed it. He actually wrote a book about, uh, it was basically like a ladder that you work up to get to God. Interesting in all the paintings, he's always, at, he, that, that man is always John. He's at the top looking down saying, come on guys, keep doing good works and you'll get to heaven. Well, that's not how it works. It's not by our good works, it's by the work of Christ on the cross. It's by that branch that come out of the stump 
It's by that, that, that Savior, that Redeemer who's doing a pure work, that one who's going to bring ultimate peace. Don't you guys love it when Scripture comes together like this? We're seeing the picture from Isaiah all the way to 1 Thessalonians. We see that he's going to come like a thief in the night, and so we don't need to worry about all this stuff. The work's already been done through him. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness. Who's he talking to here? talking to believers. Hey, all these people are going to be saying, hey, we're seeking out peace and we're seeking out prosperity. We're seeking out happiness in this world. And he says, but you're not living in darkness. You're living in what? You're living in the lights. The light is Christ, that branch. But you are not in darkness, brothers. For that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night, or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. Now, now think about these words, what we just read through here. You, you see this picture. He, he's telling us to put on the breastplate of faith. Guys, that tells us we do not need to live in fear. We need to live by faith, no matter what comes our way. I'm seeing a, you know, numbers, Johnny, we were just talking about this a few minutes ago, um, you know, numbers of churches, the, the decline in people attending service because of fear. Now, I understand, I know there's a pandemic, I understand all of that, but, but you know, you, you see where, where people, they, they're just doing this and doing this, but they're not giving glory to God like they should. I'm really seeing that there's, a, there's an excuse now. Well, there's a pandemic, so I can't give glory to God. The last time I checked, the work of the church continues whether we are all-powerful enough. God is already doing his work. So we've got to put on that faith. We, we need to quit living by fear. We need to live by faith. There are still people dying and going to hell in this world. And just because of circumstances in this world, that does not give us the opportunity, that does not give us the excuse to stop and say, God, we just can't do anything, we'll just let you handle it. No, we need to be a part of the work. We need to be going and, and being a part of that. And honestly, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that ought to be your desires to see people saved. We ought to be saved. Some of the greatest times of revival were, you know, uh, were during wars. I was reading something this week about... Um, about World War II, when, when Britain was being bombarded by, the, by the, the Germans. And the Germans were sending over these fancy new things called, you know, rockets, and they were blowing up the, the city, and people were, were fearful, right? But there's stories of men of God who, even in those times, were standing up and preaching to people, be saved, be saved. Fear not, your God is bigger than, than this army that's coming at us. Church, we're in the same boat today. We need to be living in the same way. Uh, speaking of World War II, Winston Churchill was a pretty wise guy. He knew a lot of stuff, but he missed something. 
Winston Churchill, he's, he's quoted as saying, success is never final. But I want to tell you something one of these days. Success in man's kind, in, in our regards, yeah, it's never final. We have to be successful and then continue to be successful. You guys can't have a good week at work and then get paid from then on out, can you? <laughs> you got to be successful every single week. You have to continue on in your work. You have to continue helping people. You have to continue doing the work in our lives. But there's going to come a time when the peace of Jesus will rule, and that quote won't even apply, because success will be final. There will be no more pain, no more suffering. There will be nothing for us to, to be concerned about because he is, he's taking care of everything. And when you're looking through that, we need to have that breastplate of faith. We need to have a, a helmet, this idea of a hope for salvation. Do you, do you really hope that God is the eternal peace of this world? I hope you do. Because you're not, you're not going to find it anywhere else. Our hope should be in Him for salvation. It's not in our own good works. And why is that? Well, I like these words that He says here in verse, um, where are we at here? For God has not destined us for wrath. You guys believe that? For some reason, Paul thought it was important to say, God is not out to kill you or to get you. There in verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The work of God is redemption. Now understand, there will be judgment, and He will be that righteous judge. But, but God is, in this time, He is bestowing grace and offering grace to all of us today if we will just believe. He's not destined us for wrath. Church today, just because we're going through wrathful times, just because we're going through tumultuous times, it does not mean that that is of God. God is offering us peace today. He's offering us faith. Are we wearing that breastplate? Are we putting that helmet on? More importantly, are we encouraging each other with the words of God? Because we should be. Every ministry that we do here at First Baptist ought to be soaked in the word of God, no matter what we're doing. We ought to be encouraging each other with the word of God. We should never have a group. We should never have a Bible study. We should never have a ministry in which we all come together and we just sit and fret and worry. Because honestly, we have nothing to worry about. We have a God who is omnipotent and all-powerful over all things. So we trust in him today, the author and the perfecter of our lives. In a day and age where we are always seeking to find the will of God, or, or society in general, they're trying to find the purpose in life. It's a common topic, isn't it? What is the purpose in life? Science is trying to find it out. Churches that do not adhere to it's a good Christian doctrine. They're trying to tell people what your purpose is in this life. You're, and they'll tell you, your purpose is to be happy. Your purpose is to be joyful. Your purpose is to be all-powerful. Your purpose is to be uh, rich. Your purpose is to be healthy. But you know, the honest truth here is, is that there's a whole lot of believers in Jesus Christ in this world who are poor, sick, and broke. You telling me that's, that's the work of Christ on the cross? No, the work of Christ on the cross is salvation from our sin from a broken condition. It's not about the things. and the, the, so, so when we think about this here, that the idea that people are trying to find the will of God or the purpose in life, 
Here in 1 Thessalonians, here in, in the book of Isaiah, we see a map of what to expect. And what is expected of the church today, what is expected of you today, is to bring glory to God. And I think the question we need to be asking is, are we bringing glory to God? Are you doing that? And a lot of times we can, we can say yes, and sometimes we can say no, but the thing is, is that if we are living in a clear anticipation of His return, I believe that's going to shape us to be people who want to bring glory to God in our daily life. And so the call today, as we, as we have viewed Scripture, as we look to the soon return of Christ, may we be a church who is living in anticipation of what is to come. And if we really believe it, if we really believe Christ is coming again, if we really believe it, then surely we will live it in our daily lives. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for this day. We praise you for your goodness and your, your grace. We thank you for your word as, as, as we've turned to these, these pages today to look for inspiration. Lord, you've given us a clear roadmap as to what we need to be doing in life, and it is to be bringing glory to you. Help us not to live in fear. Help us not to live without faith. But Lord, help us to look to you, the great Redeemer, the branch that, that came out of the, the broken stump of Jesse, the, the, the true Redeemer who's bringing a, a everlasting peace. Lord, it truly does give more goodness and peace when it comes to the thought of Christmas. Because Christmas is much more than just the hoopla. The Christmas is, is a reminder the goodness of God. And we be a people who are looking to you, not to the things of this world. God, help us to anticipate your return. May that affect the way we live our lives on a daily basis. I don't know if there be anyone here or anyone listening who truly is not, in their heart of hearts, they know they do not anticipate a return. But they've heard the words today, and they, they're, they're inquiring. They want to know more about this Jesus. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them. And Father, they will hear the truth of Scripture, that if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. Lord, I pray that many will be saved today because of the reading of your word in your most holy name. Amen. Thank you.